A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 109 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Click and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today. And with me, as always, my 80 degree co host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. Been in the field all week. Three straight games or three straight days of baseball, which has been fun. Mm. Hadn't had live baseball in a while, other than like high school ball, but in Atlanta Friday for Braves. Opener, well, not really opener, second game, but opening series, and then you know in Greenville Saturday, and then Sunday, which is today's recording. Hudson Valley was in town, so got some Yankees prospects. Normally, wouldn't get to see, so that was uh, a good treat. That lineup has a lot of good talent with Sweeney, Everson Pereira, Austin Wells, Cooper Bowman, a lot of talent. So glad I got to check them out a couple games. So been a good weekend. I can't complain. How about yourself? Yeah, can't complain here either. Got out to the field today. I was hoping to get some Jay Groom or, or Brayon Bayo, but no such luck. Now they go on the road, but got some Brendan Walter today, which was a really good look. We'll get we'll get into all these. We'll talk about all these live looks later on in the show. And uh, yeah, it was good to be back at the field. It was a beautiful day, a little bit windy, which really played with a couple of pop-ups there that fell in for base hits that should have been caught. But yeah, great to get back out to the field. I haven't been to a Red Sox game yet, like you like you had with the, with Atlanta, but Hopefully you get down to the Red Sox soon. I actually haven't been to the Red Sox game since I think it was 2019. So obviously it didn't go in 2020 because we couldn't. And then last year I didn't get to a games because I was still kind of not didn't want to deal with all the, the hassle of going down to a game. So hopefully I can get out to the Red Sox soon enough. But yeah, it's just fun to have live baseball back. Obviously we went up to Arizona Fall League, but that was what, seven months ago at yeah. this point? Yeah. Which which feels crazy that it was that long ago we were out there at first pitch Arizona. But Good to be back, and we got a lot to talk about here in our first official in-season episode, even though our last episode did publish on opening day. This is the first one we got some regular season stuff to talk about. So going forward this season, we'll keep doing the two episodes per week. Monday, usually Thursday, 
sometimes with them, I have to push it to Friday, like this week, probably <laughs> because of my schedule on Wednesday night this week. But Monday's episodes will be, you know, we'll, we'll do redraft and dynasty in both episodes every, every week, but Mondays will be a little bit more dynasty focused. And then Thursday, Friday, you know, we'll do some waiver wire, stuff like that. So the second episode of every week will be, have a little more redraft in it, but every episode will have a good mix of both. We're trying to, you know, change it up a little bit and give you guys a little bit of everything um, that you to help you in all your leagues. So that is our goal here. And we will get started with that today. But first, the usual housekeeping. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us. And of course, check out all the other great work we have on the Fantrax HQ network. We're going to be having around, I said, 20 or so baseball articles every week. Pretty spread out, too. It's around three per day. Some days two, other days four. But good little mix of stuff here by a great team we have. I'm very proud of the team that we have assembled here at Fantrax HQ overall, especially on the baseball side of things, too. So a lot of good stuff coming up this season from everybody, including Chris and I, who will have multiple articles every week, multiple podcasts. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's get right to this episode here today, Chris. Starting with some news and notes here. Alex Bregman. Let's start with him, Chris. He's got two home runs already, and they were, yes, they were both the left field, which is kind of a custom for him, but they weren't cheapo ones. It wasn't like they were just sneaking into the Crawford boxes. They had both very well hit. He had four hits, or excuse me, six hits in his first 14 plate appearances. It's looking really good. So how are you, how are you feeling right now with, with Bregman? Do you think that this would be a, a pretty solid bounce back campaign for him this year? And it should be. I mean, he was played hurt last year. So honestly, like, that's what he does. Like he hits it, those home runs to left field. And, you know, even, even though they were both the left field, like these both would have been out anywhere, but like deep center, I think looking, looking at them. I don't know yeah. the exact numbers. I'm just looking at the spray chart, but yeah, I mean, he, he's still not hitting the ball crazy hard, but that's okay. He doesn't have to. I mean, the max he hit one this year is 99 on one of those home runs, 99 five, but it'll come around. I'm not really worried about that because he's never been a huge exit velocity type guy and everyone's going to point to that and say oh he's not back because he can't hit the ball hard but he's never hit the ball hard so i'm not particularly worried if he is efficient at placing the ball where it needs to be placed like with the pool side it's fine he's going to perform i think we see him bounce back he's he's always been a really solid hitter i think he's been underrated and so far i i think that well i don't say he's underrated i think there's been peaks and valleys where people's opinions have Never been in the middle. Everybody's been either too high or too low on him. And I think now everybody's just too low on him. So it presents a really good opportunity to buy him. And, and that's past, obviously. It was a good value in drafts. That's no longer relevant. ADP's irrelevant at this point. We're in the season. But yes, I do think that Bregman could be in for a solid bounce back season. As do I. This is really good to see him get off to a good start here. The season with those those two really good home runs and Obviously, Houston's lineup is still going to be really, really damn good this year, even without Carlos Correa. But, heck, I could, you know, if I made a bold prediction here, I, I would not be shocked that, like, Pena outproduced Carlos Correa this year. I could see a future where that happens. Yeah. I wouldn't bet I wouldn't bet money on it, obviously, but I could totally see Pena's off to a really good start as well. He's got he's, he's got alternated three-hit games with zero-hit games, but still two three-hit games so far through his first four including today had his first home run the other day as well. And the only thing that really infuriates me right now is that fact that Kyle Tucker is still hitting sixth behind like a little miss Diaz and others that are hit. They put in the five spot. 
very infuriating. But yeah, overall, Bregman has looked very, very good. So yeah, I'm, I'm buying back in. Like obviously, I've been a guy that's a little lower than most on Bregman throughout the last few years. But this year, I thought he was a great value in drafts, going that as far back as he was near pick 100. Especially with the third, with the state of the third base pool, I would be definitely willing to, you know, buy back in right now. You think you got to do it soon because you wait a little bit longer. Like you're not going to get him for any sort of discount. Even that window is closing in a hurry with how he started the season. So, but yeah, definitely, definitely back in on Breakman. I think you could have a really good four category year, especially in OBP formats. Another kind of big name player that's off to a very good start here, Luis Robert, looking like the late season surge from last year is carrying over to this year. Yes, it's been four games. Trying to overreact too much, but so far, five for 13. As a double, a couple steals, no home runs yet, but a couple of hard hit balls, a couple of barrels so far. And the biggest thing, he hasn't struck out yet in 13 plate appearances. Again, it's 13 plate appearances, but that's very encouraging. And yes, he hasn't walked either, but it's putting everything in play here. And I'm really encouraged. I, I knew the power would be there. I just want to see where the speed was this year. Obviously, you know, White Sox haven't been a team that runs a ton under Larusa, So I wasn't sure, like, if he was going to be limited to maybe like 10 or 15 steals, so he could steal 20 plus this year easily. So seeing him get those two steals already through the first four games of the season has been very encouraging for me. Yeah, no, I agree. It's good to see him run. And every time I, I feel like every time I watch the condensed games every morning on MLB TV, cause, you know, I can't watch everything. So I try to watch you know, all the condensed games at some point during the day. And every time like I'm on the white Sox, it feels like he's scoring or stealing a base. Right. So, <laughs> It's definitely been encouraging to see. And, yeah, I, I hope that he picks up where he's left off. But we'll see how it tracks. I mean, he, he's got a history of chasing. He's chased a little bit this year. But, again, it's such a small sample. It's impossible to tell. But I'd say the early returns on the steals are encouraging for sure. That's that's a big deal. Absolutely. Now, let's let's get up the old crystal ball here, Chris. Fast forward draft season next year. It's like, Envision how his season will go this year, however you think that might be. What What is his ADP next draft season? It's probably around 10. I mean, he was 15 this year. There's just so many guys at the top that I don't really see him surpassing. So I think probably 10. Like, I feel like he'll probably – we'll probably look at him, like, back-to-back with Bryce Harper, if I had to guess. <laughs> I was just with the ask. Like, literally was thinking Harper. I'm like, all right, who's going to be higher, him or Harper? So yeah. I, I think definitely, yeah, back into the top 10, 8, 9, 10 range – because I do think that we're looking at a huge breakout here with a potential for like a 35, 20, 25 type of season. And I think he's still hit for a good average as well. Like I don't think he's going to be over 300 or anything like that, but with how hard he hits the ball, his speed, he's always be one of those higher BABIP guys. And if he can just keep the Ks down, keep the chase down, which, you know, so far this year, no strikeout so far, but I want to see him walk a bit more. I want to see him back closer to that 8.8% range that we saw in 2020 than the 4.7% we saw last year. It's all been small sample sizes, but I want to see him just walk a little bit more. But, hey, if he's putting the ball in play as much as he is, keeping that K rate down and hitting for a high average, I'm fine with that. But, yeah, I could definitely see Robert top 10 by this point next year. Over to the pitching side of things, one guy I was just incredibly, incre- incredibly impressed by. That's a tongue twister for me, apparently. <laughs> With the opening day start for the New York Mets. It's funny, you have a team with Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, and you got Tyler McGill starting opening day. But, hey, he looked really damn good against the Nationals. And let me just say this before we get into McGill. When I, I tweeted a couple times about McGill, and 
I got a lot of responses like, well, look at the lineup. It's triple-A lineup, blah, 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 blah. Can we stop with that? Their one through six was what? Cesar Hernandez, Juan Soto, Nelly Cruz, Josh Bell, Kiber Ruiz, and Lane Thomas. That's a pretty solid one through six right there. That's not like he was – he's not facing Oakland, for crying out loud. He's facing a pretty – that's a top half of the league lineup, I'd say. At least one through six. And then seven, eight, nine, they're f- t- trying to patchwork it together with Key Boom and you know others, you know, Alkides Escobar and others. But overall, for, back to McGill here, looks really good. Uh, he had five sh- five shutout innings, uh, six strikeouts, and no walks, three hits. Or he gave up the actually no, it was a uh, no runs actually five shutout innings. And th- this is coming off a year where you know, he was pretty good last year, but the kind of a bad six seven start stretch late in the season ballooned his ERA. All of his ex, you know expected ERAs were a good half run or, or more lower uh, than his surface ERA. That slider was really really good. 62.5% whiff rate. He got four strikeouts on that slider. Velocity was up a mile and a half as well. I think this is a guy that he was definitely underrated during draft season. I got several shares of him for where he was going in ADP. And I think he could be a, honestly, I think he'd be a top 40 starter this year. So I think he's got really good stuff. If that velocity sticks and the slider was looking really good last year, had a 30 plus percent whiff rate on both the changeup and the slider. And you got 33% whiff rate on the slider in that first start. So I think you could definitely see a top 40 or so starter here. So definitely got to go out there and try to target right now. Yeah. And he was underrated though, I think because he didn't have a rotation spot. I mean, there was, which I thought was crazy that, yeah. that there was like any question about him being in the rotation. Yeah. It just roster resource just didn't have him in the rotation. So everybody just kind of bought into that <laughs> and I'll be interested. What was Velo stick? Like there was some serious adrenaline, obviously, because he was pumping what he hit 99 in the first inning. Like that was highly uncharacteristic. If it sticks around 95 or higher, though, I think he'll be okay. He just doesn't get a lot of whiffs with the fastball, but that's okay. He doesn't doesn't need to. Right. He, you know the the slider plays well, the changeup plays well. I'll be curious. It was interesting to see he threw the changeup and the slider both 14 times, but he kind of alternated to the, to left-handed hitters. He threw the changeup 12 times. To righties twice, but to slider he threw it to righties twelve times, and just to lefties two times. So, I'll be curious to watch that trend. Is he going to exclusively be a a two pitch guy, depending on the batter? He wasn't last year, so I don't expect that. But I did did kind of find that interesting when looking you know, at yeah. the numbers. But yeah, I do. I think that McGill is someone to to ride the wave and see how far it takes. He's still young. I still think there's a strong chance that and this could be legit. And he's still coming into his own. Most pitchers don't really come into their own until their late twenties, and he's twenty six. So. He could be entering an early peak that you know you really like to see. Yeah, absolutely. Here and he's a guy in my starting pitcher rankings. And for I'll be doing the top 100 starting pitcher rankings every Saturday, kind of basing them on like rest of season rankings. If you had a draft that day, how would I rank them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I ranked him 67th overall. So I want to play a little. Who, who would you rather have here, Chris? Some guys in that vicinity. Would you rather have McGill or Joe Ryan rest of season? Joe Ryan, McGill or Adam Wainwright? I would have before Wainwright pitched. I would have said McGill, but Wainwright looked good, so he did. Yeah, I guess I'll go Wainwright. McGill or former Matt Stephen Matz. Mm, Matt's pitched. Matt's pitched well today, so that's probably a, a coin toss. I may go Matt's because he's got a really really good infield behind him. He yeah he definitely does. And that gives him a huge benefit as a ground ball pitcher. 
I'll go two more. I'll go a couple more. These are him, uh, McGill, or Bailey Ober. I think McGill. I'm not a big Ober person. All right. Last two, McGill or Casey Mize? Mm, Mize. And McGill or Nick Lodolo? Probably McGill. I just, I like, obviously love Lodolo, but there could be some bumps as a, a rookie. So yep. I, I'll go McGill there. I'm assuming you, you said the same thing with Hunter Green. I don't know, Green looked really, really good. Today. He did look really but good. As I was telling somebody at the park today, we were talking about it. I think Green's going to have these huge ups and downs. And I, I agree. Yeah. There's just a lot of volatility there. He's going to have these starts where he looks like an ace. And he's going to have starts where he just, the fastball's not working. It's so flat. If he misses a spot, he's going to get grooved on it. So, and I think he's going to be a huge roller coaster all season. So that's a, that's an interesting one. Green definitely has a ton of upside though. So, Absolutely. I may lean that way, but it is pretty close. Yeah, and these are my 65 through 72. It goes Ryan, Cobb, McGill, Wainwright, Mats, Ober, Mize, Lodolo, and that range of my ranking. So definitely liking McGill so far, that's for sure. Another pitcher, we'll keep it in the National League East here, Aaron Nola. So Chris and I have talked Aaron Nola a fair amount on this podcast over the years, usually – promising right we were both Aaron Nola guys we're both you know buying back you know not that we were ever out but we were buying a, a bounce back but and again it's just one start and hate to overreact but it's like there's a lot a lot of the issues that kind of hindered Nola's value last year are still there or even worse you know two two in particular that hindered him last year were obviously the poor defense behind him and we've seen that the Phillies had apparently don't care about defense or like, Oh, let's just have a softball, you know, a beer league softball. lineup. Like everybody can't dingers. Nobody can play defense besides like Bryce Harper, uh, who could play solid defense, but defense has gotten, it's at best the same as last year and probably a little bit worse. And the home run issue where he's allowed, I think it was like near 70 home runs over the last three years, which was obviously more like two and a third seasons. And he had two home runs in his first start. And it's hard to predict those obviously, but the fact that he still has the home run issue and the bad defense, I feel like we might be in for a, almost like a repeat of 2021 where it's like the surface stats and the overall performance, you know, is not as good as some of the you know expected metrics might, you know, say it could be. So that's why I'm wondering if it's a good time in both redraft and dynasty to maybe sell high on Noah, you know, obviously get a good return for him. Don't go out there to get rid of him, obviously, but. I don't know. There's a lot of those issues that are that were there last year are still there. Yeah, you know, I went back and rewatched the start. He he threw Friday night when I was in Atlanta, so I watched it Saturday morning. The Phillies just leave him in one inning too long or one batter too long every time. I thought he pitched a gym, honestly. And the pitch that Seth Brown hit that home run off of, everybody claims it was a hanging curveball. It really wasn't. I mean, it was it was below the belt. It wasn't. Like it wasn't buried in the zone, but it was not hanging over the heart of the plate either. I think he ran out of gas. Look at most pitchers right now. They're not going really past five innings, and you know, they were trying to run Nola through seven. And I think he just ran out of steam. Honestly, he pitched well. I don't know if I'd sell him in Dynasty because I really do think this is his lowest Dynasty value that we've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, that's fair. I still think he's a really good arm, and I think I'd be going to look to buy him, honestly, because you know, it, this is exactly 
what people this is if people wanted to be out on Nola, this is exactly what they wanted to happen. Him to give up home runs, him to screw it up late. And that's exactly what he did. It was it was like a repeat of last year all over again. So in people's mind, this is just confirmation that they should be out on him. But I'm kind of in the opposite boat where I'm going to say I'm going to go out and look to acquire him for cheap because I'm not overly concerned based on what I saw. I thought he pitched really well. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing, too. Like, It's nothing against the, the talent or Nola. Like, I like Nola. I wish he'd just get him in a different ballpark on a different team. But it's, I'm still just worried about those issues. And, yeah, I definitely agree. Definitely more of a sell and redraft than Dynasty right now. But I, I just want him out of Philly. It's just not not a great fit for him right now with the, the – the ballpark is not a good fit for how he pitches. Obviously, a fly ball pitcher, and he, and he gave up six home runs in like nine of the third innings of spring too. So that's like he's got eight home runs already between the spring and his first start. So, yeah, I agree. Dynasty is actually, yeah, definitely could be a nice little buy low there. But redraft, I may be looking to sell hobby. You can get a pitcher, you know, comparable value plus a solid second piece there to help you it, out elsewhere. It's kind of baffling to me though. Like all of the home runs he gives up are with like two strikes, like. It, you look at the numbers and the amount of home runs that he gives up with with two strikes in the count is r- ridiculous. And I don't really know like what the deal is with that. But last year he gave up twelve home runs with two strikes, yeah. and then he get the the one he gave up to Seth Brown was with two strikes as well. So I don't know if it's just yeah, it, I don't know. It, it it's just crazy to me to to kind of see that. But if he it's just a little thing. It's like a little tweak here or there, and I think he's back to the ace level. So. I'm still in on him. I can see being out on him, and maybe it's the wrong decision to buy. But with a pitcher of that talent at his age, I think you you go out and get him for cheaper than usual. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not out on him. I'm just it's just more frustration than anything yeah. else that those the home run issues and the defense behind him. It's just, my word. Put put him in St. Louis. That'd be awesome. Yeah, he he would be top six in St. Louis. I t- I truly believe that. So. Moving on here, we got some a handful of prospect promotions this week. Not obviously as many as we had before the season started, but we got four that we have on the list here. Two really high name, three pretty high names, and then one that just got caught up earlier today. We'll start with C.J. Abrams, obviously the biggest name of this four by a considerable margin. And you know, we were hinting at it a lot, like when we recorded the last episode. Obviously, it was day before opening day, hadn't been announced yet. But at the same time, he wasn't on the AAA roster. So it was almost like put two and two together, and Abrams is making it. And of course, he did, which was really surprising to me. Like, uh, so many people asked, I'm sure asked you as well, Chris, you know, throughout the offseason and in the spring training, that if Abrams will, you know, be up this year or be up early, make the opening day roster. And I was like, maybe late in the season, but I was, I was saying early 2023. And obviously, he earned it. Like, he was dominant this spring, two home runs, three steals at 324. And 39 plate appearances, but this is a guy that only had 183 plate appearances last year in Double A. Only and only has 183. Those were all of his plate appearances above Single A or above rookie ball. Really, he had nine plate appearances back in 2019 in Low A, and obviously missed the 2020 season because of the COVID. And then I think was it a shoulder? Was the injury last year? I can't remember. Was it a shoulder injury? That sounds right. Yeah, I think it was shoulder injury. But anyway. Yeah. Missed the last like two thirds or whatever of the season or three quarters of the season. So I was like, all right, if he had played the entire year and, you know, maybe got triple A, I could totally see him being up now. But hey, he earned it. I wonder how he's to the fair. I wonder if he's a guy that got rushed a bit too much because 
They thought they needed him, which I don't think they, they really even did. They could put Haseon Kim at shortstop. But he's you know shown well in the field so far. But I wonder if he's a guy that struggles a bit. You know, Obviously, the speed should still be there. Obviously, he's an elite speedster. But I don't know. He, I'm not sure he's a guy I want to go out and spend like a crap ton of fab on this week. You know, I'll let others go out and spend the big bucks on, on Abrams. I'll go after somebody else. But long-term, obviously, love Abrams. Think he could be an early-round fantasy asset for many, many years with a – you know, 15 to 20 homer, 30 plus steel profile and high average. But this year, I don't know. I'm kind of out on Abrams this year. Yeah, I, I love Abrams long term, but I'm not going out of my way to pay up because you're going to have to pay up like mm-hmm. a lot because everybody gets hype on these kind of guys. And I'm just not sure he'll be worth it. I I could be wrong on this, but I, I think you're right. Like just the missed time and the fact that, you know, he's been out of games so long, obviously getting back in spring training. but from that standpoint, I'd rather just avoid the situation. If somebody else hits, then great, but I don't know. I just don't really see it happening, so I'd prefer to look another direction for your team because he may be one of those frustrating players that where he has a good week, where he hits a you know a couple home run or he hits a home run, steals a couple bags, and then you put him in the lineup, and then he goes over for the next week and maybe sits a few games. So yep. it, it could it could just totally be an up and down ride with him. Yeah, totally agree. That's why I'm. Kind of looking the other way. I let somebody else pay up the uh, the big bucks to get him, but yeah, long term definitely could be an absolute stud. That's for sure. Another big name to get called up: Ruinzi Contreras for Pittsburgh. Even though right now he's being used out of the bullpen, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Look, look at the the rotation. So the rotation. So today they had Bryce Wilson starting. Tomorrow they'll have Zach Thompson. Tuesday it's Jose Quintana. Uh, Wednesday, JT Brubaker, and Thursday, Mitch Keller before going back to Bryce Wilson on Friday. You can't sit here and tell me that Rowenzi Contreras is better than literally better than everybody in that rotation, first off, but can't beat out one of those five guys. Can't beat out a Bryce Wilson or a Quintana. Why? I don't know why. I don't know what Pittsburgh is doing with him. I don't know why they sent them down to begin with. And same thing with Lonio Cruz, but Contreras is a guy that I might go out and target you know, in, in fab leagues or waiver wire or whatever, because I think people are going to see that he's in the bullpen and kind of look the other way, but he should be in that rotation soon. you got to imagine it's soon. Maybe it's next week, week after, but this is a very talented arm last year, between mostly in double-A. Uh, did have a start at triple-A as well. 13 total starts, 264 ERA, 0.93 rip, and a 35% strikeout rate. So the, the talent is there. And just got to hope that he gets some starts coming up here very soon. Yeah, and it seems kind of natural if that would be the progression that he kind of builds up and does go in the rotation because, you know, why wouldn't he? I don't really understand why when you're looking, he's definitely better than those players, right? So he's their best pitcher right now. Yeah. That's, that's pretty easy for me to say. Like, who, who without him, who's their best pitcher? Miss Keller. We have Keller or Brubaker, and we, we all know my thoughts on Keller, but like, yeah. He's better than all of them, and it's frankly not even close. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I really agree. So his stuff's really good. I think once he gets the spot, he runs with it. He may be one that you go and you look to grab and fab for like redraft like yeah. soon for a buck or two because I think when he does start, you'll you'll want him in your lineup. Yeah. I think. What do you, what do you think he could be this year? you think he could be a uh, top 50 pitcher? Potentially, I I don't see why not. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna put you on the spot here again because it's fun to do. <laughs> End of the season, 
who had the better season? Rowenzi Contreras, Matt Brash. I'm gonna go with Brash. I still I think Brash okay. from a generic standpoint, I like Brash better, and Brash is already in the rotation, so I'll go with Brash. All right, same th- same question. Contreras or either of the Cincinnati duo? I'll go Green. That's tough. Lodolo and Contreras <laughs> is tough. I- I'll go Lodolo just because I know that he has a role right now. So that that being the the factor, like he's in the rotation right now. That's fair. I said, I love putting Chris on the spot. It's really fun to see him, see him, the, like the, the internal struggle that's on his yeah, face. Y'all don't see which, my face. So. I can see y'all can't, which is, it's just fun. That's, right. that's a little, it's a little joy I get every episode putting him <laughs> on the spot with some of these. It's really fun, but it really makes you think too, which is also yeah, another fun aspect good. of this. Yeah. You, you absolutely. <laughs> that we do. All right. A couple of ones that happened more recently. Helio Ramos got called up by San Francisco and he's been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball first few games you know out there in AAA this did surprise me a little bit you know they had had some injuries but San Francisco added a bunch of guys there's a lot of you know a lot of platoons out there but in general Hilliot Ramos is a guy that definitely projects as a starting caliber major league outfielder he's 22 years old right now like I said this year was really turning to cover off the ball in AAA last year kind of an up and down year between double A AA and triple A, 254, 323, 417 slash, 14 home runs, 15 steals. He was running more, which is good to see. He was more of an eight to 10 steal guy and actually got caught more than he stole back in 2019. Eight out of 18. The power did go down a little bit. Slugging was down. ISO was down, which is kind of odd being that he was out in Sacramento too. And in, in what used to be the Pacific Coast League, he only had four home runs and 229 play appearances out there. But Long-term Chris, uh, you know, I think more so. I, I still don't think he's going to be a, a big impact guy this year, or maybe, maybe you think he will be. I don't. But long-term, what what are you feeling for him? You think he can – I have him as like a, you know, 270, 20, 25 homer, five steal guy, which is pretty solid. But this year I just don't see a big impact with all, all the names they have out there, especially when they get healthy again. I'm thinking this, this might be more of a short-term thing. It's possible, but he's – it feels like he's been on the cusp of – you know, being called up you know, even last year at some point. He's only 22, but still it seems like they had chatted about him being called up. I, I think it may be a short-term stay, but it depends. If he hits, he could stick around. I am concerned his contact skills aren't very good. And you look, and since 2017, he's only had, let's see, two different levels he's played at where he had a contact rate above 70%. That's not very good. In he in low A in 2018, it was at 72%. In 2019, in high A, it was 71%. And then, then it dropped to 65.3, 69.1, 69.5, which isn't good. So I'm afraid that he can get exploited with big league pitching. So we'll see how it goes. I do kind of agree with you. I think there's a little intrigue in the profile from a power and speed standpoint, but he's going to have to make better contact. For sure, yeah. And just looking at he, so he started in left field today, hit sixth. The guy that was in the lineup in left field the previous two days was Jock Patterson, who's obviously a lefty. Ramos is a righty, so I could see that being a platoon there. They also have Austin Slater, Dubon can play outfield. They have Steven Duggar out there still. Mikey Skremski, Darren Ruff could play outfield in a pinch. So they still have a lot of the guys in that outfit, even with who was one of the DL, oh, Lamonte Wage. Junior's one on the IL. So, yeah, I, I still see a big impact right now. Deeper leagues, if you want to take a flyer on them, 
a couple bucks, sure. But I think there's more long-term appeal here than short-term. So he's not a guy I'm targeting in 2022. Uh, same thing with this guy. We're talking about him just because he's, you know, he's intriguing, especially from a long-term perspective. But he's a Tampa Bay Rays pitcher, so who knows how much luck he's going to get this year. But Tommy Romero was just called up by the Rays, 6'2", 225-pound right-hander. Last year in 110 in the third innings between AA and AAA, 261 ERA, 0.96 whip, and 145 strikeouts in 110 in the third innings. Chris, how excited are you about Romero long-term? Do you think he could be a guy that can stick as a rotation arm in Tampa Bay? I do, and I already think he's one of their five best. I, I think that I, – I, personally, I don't think Luis Patino sticks in the rotation. I think that Patino is a, a three- to four-inning type bulk reliever i think so too yeah that's where he's best right yeah I, unfortunately but i think that's where he's best and i think the rays of all people are going to utilize where a player's best i think romero is better than yarber already oh that's, I, mean, I don't know why he's still in the rotation right yeah, it's because so, he's the veteran he can get your innings i guess but yeah it, it seems that way i mean kluber who knows if he can stay healthy so i do while i do think this is a short stay right now you look, so you've got McClanahan and Rasmussen. We'll say Kluber as well. So you have three. You'll have Boz coming back at some point. And then other than that, I mean, you're not getting Glass now back. You know, best case for the last month of the season. I mean, is Johnny Chirinos a, a starter? He's got a fractured elbow. I mean, so he's not going to be back. For, I don't think he is anymore. Uh, yeah. So in my opinion, Romero's already one of their best five. He's got really, really good stuff. He's been proven at the minor league level. He was absolutely dominant last season. So he could be one that really does stick as a starter and a highly efficient one is that. So he'll be fun to watch. I hope that they give him a chance to get that regular rotation spot, but I'm afraid it may be a spot starter too and they send him back down. But I do like Romero a lot long-term. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. It might be a spot starter too. And I'm, I'm looking at roster resource here. They have they don't have a, any of the current five in the rotation starting on Tuesday. they have, So it would be Kluber went today, Patino's going tomorrow, then there's nobody for Tuesday, then they go back to McClanahan, Rasmussen, and Kluber again. Yarborough doesn't have any starts listed up here. I wonder if they have him go Tuesday. I don't know. Yeah, that's possible. I haven't seen anything that says that he's going Tuesday. So this is all just purely speculation at this point. But, yeah, definitely, definitely a solid long-term arm. We'll see how they use him this year because, yeah, Patino, he's not a lock in that rotation right now. Kluber is always getting hurt at this age of his career. He's 36 years old now. And Yarbrough's just not that good. Like, he's just, yeah. he's just, I don't know. He's, he's okay, I guess, but I can see him being used as more of a bulk reliever as well. So, yeah, let's see. See if he gets a start here and see if he can stick because, yeah, definitely the, the talent's definitely there. And he's still a guy you can go pick up for a pretty cheap price in Dynasty because he doesn't have that big name, doesn't have the big, you know, prospect profile, but he's a very good arm. Definitely a good target in Dynasty Leagues for sure, but kind of a wait and see for me in redraft leagues. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side, get in some early season prospects that are excelling down in the minor leagues, and we'll give you some Dynasty deep league pickups and a couple other things we got on the docket here. So do not go anywhere. We will be right back. All right. Welcome back. Let's get in some prospects here that have been doing well and surging here to start the season. Again, only you know four or five games in, but... Some names that are already making a good amount of noise here. Let's start on the pitching side of things. 
Espino and Gavin Williams both made their obviously their debuts for the season. Espino did give a couple runs, but nine strikeouts and in four innings. Gavin Williams looked dominant as well. You know, I, I've talked about Espino as the new number one pitching prospect by midseason. I think he he's going to leapfrog Jack Leiter. He's going to leapfrog Max Meyer and everybody else. I'm, I'm assuming that Boz will be back, hopefully be back and graduate by then. G-Rod as well probably gets, comes up midseason. So Espino is my dude. Everyone knows that. So 9K start the year. Gavin Williams looked really dominant as well. Xavier and Curry looked pretty good. A lot of good starts of the season for Cleveland Arms here, Chris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting to see. It's a factory just producing over and over and over. And it's good to see. We we talked highly of Gavin Williams you know, coming in the draft and then post-draft. And so it's good to see him get off to a hot start. Not surprising to have Espino at all. There's a lot of guys in the system that could really vault up. Did Xavier Curry pitch after Espino in that game? He did, I believe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, imagine going against that lineup where Espino pitches and then Curry comes in. I think they combined for like, God, they can I have to look it, it up. 16 strikeouts, yeah, because so Espino got nine in the first four. Curry went four and a third after, got seven. Yep, that's, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> And and Curry's underrated. Curry's really stinking good mm-hmm. too. So he's he is, yeah. He's one that everybody sleeps on, I think, a bit. So he could really, really take off. I mean, he he had seven strikeouts and four and a third, just one walk. His stuff is really, really good too, and decent command to go with it. So I they just have a ton of guys, like you mentioned. It's it's an impressive farm system of arms. And Doug McKay had a really good start too to to start off his minor league season and he's one that was drafted last year out of Ole Miss so yeah I'm really a fan of what they're doing and you know here's what's going to happen they'll just trade off these major league guys when these guys are ready that's typically how they they roll so they'll yep. get a shot in the majors when they're ready but yep. yeah please Zach will go yeah please Zach will go and Savali will go or or Quantrill yeah some of those guys will be dealt off for sure yeah, yeah no, Gavin Williams he went four innings no hits no runs two walks Six strikeouts and high A. Logan Allen also went this week for Cleveland's double-A affiliate in Akron. For similar, very similar line to Espino's, except where he had two walks. But four and a third, four hits, two runs, two walks, nine Ks, give up a home run. So a lot of good uh, starts of the year for Cleveland pitching prospects. I'm so excited for Espino. I was looking at their uh, Akron's in the double-A Northeast, whatever it is, double-A Northeast League now. I can't remember. But he's in the other division. This is the same league where Portland is, where I get to see a lot of games. They don't come to Portland until, I don't even know if at, at all, but if it is, it's super late in the season. But they come to Hartford, Connecticut, I think mid-May or so. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to make a trip down, take a few days off from work, take a trip down to Hartford, Connecticut, which is like three-and-a-half-hour drive for me. Hopefully it's a good day. I can get like you know get down for a couple of days in a row. Hopefully these guys kind of line up. Also, you could see like Logan Allen, Anna Spino, or Curry, or a few of these guys. So hopefully get some live looks mid-season on those or mid uh, mid-May on those guys. We'll see, but I definitely get some live looks on them. Uh, moving on here, Jack Leiter made his double A or professional debut. He didn't have him pitch last year. He looked really good uh, in his first start. Let me pull up the numbers here. Yeah, three innings, one hit, one run, two walks and seven strikeouts here. He's another name, Chris, that once G-Rod and Boz are graduated off to the major leagues, he is one of the front runners. If it's not a Spino, it probably will be Jack Leiter as the new number one pitching prospect in baseball. He's that good. 
Yeah, I think so too. And he'll be one that'll be up in the major soon. He's he's just going to be quick through. And and what we've seen of Leiter this spring is is vintage Vanderbilt Jack Leiter. You know, in the spring he looked really good, and then in this game here, he obviously looked really good as well. So we're seeing the Jack Leiter that we saw at Vanderbilt, and it's exactly what we expect. He's a he's a top easily top ten pitching prospect right now, and he's only going to move up. So. I think we're in for a big season. I bet he makes triple A by the end of the season because he's just he's just ready. He just got the yeah. stuff and he's ready. So one I of like the most, him a lot. Yeah, one of the most advanced arms we've seen in quite some time now, that's for sure. Uh Grayson Rodriguez, the current number one pitching prospect in baseball for many, made his triple A debut and you know what a surprise. He dominated again. Four innings, one hit, zero earned runs, one walk and seven strikeouts, flashing his entire arsenal. This is a guy that I saw last year in in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He was just absolutely dominant. Like some people have been when tweeting at me that they're worried about he's not going to go many innings because it's Baltimore. That's, that's that I don't believe that whatsoever. This is a guy that has the workhorse frame, very very strong frame throughout. This guy's going to pitch a lot of innings with really good ratios and a ton of strikeouts. Like keep looking at a, a Verlander type of arm here, a guy that's just. 180 plus innings, 250 strikeouts, great ratios. Guy, I'm all in on Grayson Rodriguez. He's going to be an absolute terror to the rest of the American League East, including my Red Sox, for a long time. So, yeah, very uh, not surprised at all that he dominated his AAA debut. And he's probably another guy that could be up midseason or so. I hope Baltimore doesn't hold him back, but he's basically almost ready now. And once he keeps dominating AAA, which I'm sure he will, he's probably going to be up. I see him up in like June or July or something like that. Yeah, I mean he's more than ready, so it just depends on what Baltimore wants to do with him. But I'm I'm convinced that he'll be ready by midseason. Worst case, I think he's up, you know, August. But you are going to get some looks at him in the majors, and he's more than ready. The stuff is arguably the best in the minor leagues, and there's a reason he's ranked at the top for minor league pitchers. So I'm all in on him, and I think that this is exactly what we need to see out of him to start the year. Yeah, absolutely. He will be up before long, that's for sure. Another guy that could be up before long who looked really good in his debut as well, Mackenzie Gore. I know there was some hope that he was going to make the Padres opening day rotation. That didn't happen, but his first start of the year in AAA went just as good as anybody could have hoped for. Five innings, two hits, no runs, seven strikeouts. But the best part, zero walks. You know, obviously... That's been an issue. The command and control, you know, people, some people call it the yips, whatever, but the command control has wasn't there the last couple of years. The mechanics are getting all out of whack. He looks a lot smoother. This swing toned down that big leg kick of his a little bit. Still has a big leg kick, but it looks like it was toned down a little bit. Looks a lot. The mechanics are just more smooth this year. Uh, really repeating his delivery very well, which was an issue for him in the past. So it might be time. Like, are we back? Is, is McKenzie Gore back, Chris? I still think he has a little bit left to work out mechanically, but the fact that the mechanics may still be a hair off and the results are coming is a very positive sign. So I'm, I'm not ready to go all in on him, but I am excited about what he's done so far. This spring he looked good. This start was good. I think it's just a matter of time before he's in that rotation. Obviously, you know, last episode, I, we, I said the Padres rotation wasn't that good, and they've proceeded to go, what, like, no hitter, no hitter, and then <laughs> and then Joe Musgrove 
pitched well too. They allowed two earn, but they were obviously listening to the tool shed. Yeah. They got mad. They're big, they're big tool shed fans, obviously. Yeah. But Blake Snell's hurt. So how long will he be out? Shocker. And yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's one where he could be in before long. I don't know who replaces him. I mean, and after, so after Musgrove is Snell and Nick Martinez, gotta think that if Snell's on the shelf, like, gotta think that Gore gets a shot there. Could be wrong, but we'll see. Yeah, as next time Snell's spot in the rotation comes up on Friday. Looks like Nick Martinez is going tomorrow as they start a three-game set with the San Francisco Giants. And then it'll be back at the U Darvish Tuesday, Sean Manaya Wednesday, and Joe Musgrove Thursday. But that Friday, that's Blake Snell's spot is on Friday. So probably we'll see some news up next few days here if that goes to Mackenzie Gore. I'm trying to see who else it could be if it's not Gore. Just to play devil's advocate here. Let's say give a spot to the, that Reese. I can't say Reese Knier. I don't even know how to say that last name. But yeah, I don't see any other options where it's like, oh yeah, they can go to that guy. It's like It should be Mackenzie Gore. We'll see if they do. So he's what day did Gore pitch? After what I was just thinking, he pitched... I believe it was Friday, Friday or Saturday. So it would be right in line. It'd be about six, seven days of rest. So yeah, that um, could, it looks like that according to roster resource, they're lined up. Snell's next spot would be Friday. Yeah. Against Atlanta. So that'd be interesting. I think that could be where we see Mackenzie Gore. So if you're out there holding on the gourd, hold on a little bit longer. If you don't have him, maybe now's the time to do a speculative bid on him to see if you can, Get him early, uh, see if he gets that start. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so not fully back in on Gore. He's not top fifty again, anything like that. But Arrow is definitely trending up here uh, for Mackenzie Gordas for sure. Last pitching prospect here that we're going to talk about today, a guy that already broke out in a pretty big way in 2021. That's Kyle Harrison of the San Francisco Giants, who we just, who we just mentioned uh, a few seconds ago. He had a really stellar debut here. What level was that at? Hold on. A high A, four innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts. He's a guy that can strike him out in bunches. Still only 20 years old, too. You know, last year, like I said, had a dominating showing in low A where he was very, very young for the level, 19 years old, 23 starts, 319 ERA, and a it was a little bit high whip, 1.4 on the dot because he had a pretty high walk rate at 11.8%, but at the same time also struck out 35.7% of batters. Like I mentioned, he can just, he can strike them out in bunches. So another one where, Hey, zero walks there, very encouraging, just one start. But if he can drop the walk rate, this guy could be top 50 by mid season. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that he's highly underrated. He's already top 75 for me. So I don't think top 50s, pressing a whole lot, but that's, that's the biggest holdup for him. I mean, the stuff is good. That slider is insanely good. It's probably his best pitch. The fastball is good as well. So I could see Kyle Harrison really taking off if he can just limit the walks. And I think that's possible. He's still a young prospect, still really come into his own. So I think we see this more often than not guys, you know, can develop this and, you know, we're looking at guys with the stuff that, produce and you know command can come second or command can can still lack but guys with stuff like harrison normally succeed for sure put you in the spot one more time because i just thought of another arm very similar to kyle harrison a little more advanced but similar stuff we've been saying about them 
great stuff, but got to get the walk rate down, pound the zone more. Five years from now, who's being drafted higher? Kyle Harrison, DL Hall. Hall's stuff is arguably some of the best in the minor leagues, but health re- health track record, the command issues, I'd say Harrison is just probably a little more consistent. So I'd say Harrison, but if all clicks right, Hall easily. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Hall is the higher upside. So he's, I put him on the on the list of potential number one pitching prospects by 2023. He was the last one I put on there, but I was like, if everything clicks, if the command and control get better, that walk rate comes way down from where it is. Like he he has number one pitching prospect stuff. I don't think Harrison has that level upside. I think he could definitely be like top 30, top 40, and that that second tier kind of where like Max Meyer and and those types are now, like the Lodolos and stuff like that. I think you can get up to that range, but I don't think he's going to be up near where like Kirby and and Boz and G-Rod are, and Hall could. We'll see how that goes. But, yeah, definitely very encouraged by Kyle Harrison's first start. Over to the hitting side of things. Let's start with Nick Prado here, who's had a, uh interesting start to the season down there in AAA, to say the least. Another guy that people were hoping would get on the opening day roster, but obviously this is a log jam. They want to keep playing Car- uh, Carlos Santana for some odd reason, and – Prado would definitely be better off there, but he's got three home runs so far. Great. Bad side. He's also struck out 10 times in 21 uh, plate appearances, nearly 50%. So that's a, that's an issue. Like I tweeted out earlier, you know, Prado has always had this issue with strikeouts. Like he's, he's never had at any one season, a strikeout rate below 25%. The lowest it was, was back in, I think it was yeah, his debut 20, 2017, 25.2%. 2018, it was 27.9. During that atrocious 2019 season, 34.7. Even last year when he bounced back at a huge year offensively, still 28.8%. It was 40.9% during spring training this year. And like I said it's already pushing 50% this year in AAA, obviously only in a handful of games. But another guy that might be time to sell high on Prado because I think the K's are going to really hinder him and to the point where maybe he's only a 240, 250 hitter. Yeah, he, he could hit 20-plus home runs, add in some steals. Maybe he's a poor man's Nate Lowe, or at the best-case scenario, he's around Nate Lowe level, but I don't think there's going to be anything much more than that. So right now, if I had him, I'd be entertaining the you know the idea of selling him. Yeah, that's, that's an easy call for me, and I've been fading him and lifting Vinny Pasquantino up. I think Pasquantino's... Oh really it's, the dude it's not even close to me anymore well, okay well, I, that's a little harsh but it, it's firmly Vinny p for me prado is just becoming a, a true three outcome guy at this point i mean the contact rates have never been good in the minors other than rookie ball the first year like you mentioned in 2017 but they've progressively gotten worse and worse and worse which is highly concerning and yeah there's power and it's going to play but i don't know the contact skills the strikeouts like all that concerns me enough where it's easily Pasquantino because I don't think Pasquantino's power is that much behind Nick Prado's and he's contact skills are, you know, in another world compared to Prado. So from that standpoint, uh, it'll be interesting to see, but that, that does concern me a little bit from Prado's standpoint. Yeah. It's basically, what do you want? Do you want, I think similar power. I think if you want to talk about raw power, I'd give the slight edge to Prado, but Game power is probably going to be pretty damn close because of Vinny P's contact skills being so much more advanced than Prado's. So 
overall, maybe they're both 25-ish homer guys annually, but do you want, I don't know, 8 to 10 steals or 5 to 10 steals that product can give you? Or do you want a crap ton more average? Probably 30 to, we're talking probably 30, 40, maybe even 50 points in average. Like, yeah, it's I think, significant. Yeah, Prado could be, I said, 240, 250. I think Vinny P could be 280, 290. He's that, maybe even higher. He could be 300 hitter. He's that, that good offensively. So, yeah, definitely Vinny P. Like, if you can flip flop them in your dynasty league and sell off Prado for Vinny P, absolutely do so because Vinny P is 100% legit and he's going to continue to show that this year in the upper minors. Another name here st- sticking in the AL Central, but a guy that's much further down rankings, but might not be for long. And that's Christian Encarnacion Strand of the Minnesota Twins. He's in high A right now, off to a, an absolutely scorching start here. First three games, here, this is these three games, 15 RBI. That is absolutely insane. Everyone's like, uh, you know, he's on pace for like 800 RBIs here or something like that. Obviously, <laughs> You know, it's that's a hard stat to project. It's just kind of funny. Like three games, 15 RBI, which is absolutely insane. Trio of home runs, couple of doubles as well. This is a guy that I think both of us kind of touted as a good, like, late round flyer in FYPDs. And obviously, those are all over now. But this is a guy that has enough potency with the bat where he could really shoot up rankings into a place where I think he could be top 200, maybe even top 150 by, by the end of the year. Yeah, and that was really the thing with him. He really needed – we knew the power was there, but we really needed to see the contact skills. Yeah, And that's what we're seeing, like, obviously in a small sample, but really good contact skills could control the zone, and you watch him, and he looks like a dude that could just hit a crap ton of home runs. And I think he could be a quick riser as well because he's a little bit older. He's 22 already, and he's advanced, so he could really move up pretty quickly through this system. And – Maybe he he's like a Jose Miranda like sleeper type where he just yep. never gets the love that he deserves, but the talent is more than there. So I think you can go out and get him for for really cheap right now. I don't think many people are in on him, but before long, you know, if he keeps hitting and these stats keep popping, then then he's going to get a lot of love and he's going to flat ranking. So I'd suggest going and just getting him right now because it's pretty. You can get out and get him pretty cheap. So I do think that. You just ride the wave. If he does fall off, you can drop him. I mean, that's what you're the back end of a dynasty roster is for to to cycle these guys and then and see where it goes. But he's one that I'm definitely gonna to see where it takes me. I think he could really take off. Yeah, and this this just didn't start right now. Like last year, 22 games, he had four home runs, two doubles, two triples. Did have 26 strikeouts to five walks in 22 games, but he had a you know, a pretty good showing last year after the draft too. So you definitely got to grab now. Let's see where it goes. Yeah, that's for sure. Moving on here, a couple more names we got to talk about here. Uh, we're getting kind of long already, so we'll go a little bit quicker here. Uh, a few other names that have just really stood out so far. Cleo Watson is home run in back-to-back games. James Wood is already show- showcasing his power speed blend. And Francisco Alvarez already has a couple home runs as well. So I don't know. Just pick one of those guys and go with it, Chris. Well, let's see who we want to go with here. Uh, I mean, Khalil Watson's been the the headline. He's been yeah. insanely good. He's he's an easy one to talk about. Where it's the tools were have always been there, and we said that. And this is the reason that I put him number one in my FYPD rankings, and that was not very popular. But we're we're seeing him just really show off. And I know it's early, but I mean, he's got such quick bat speed and quick wrist and hands through the zone. He can just you know destroy pitches and. 
everything looks good so far. I mean, there are some strikeouts in there. That's a little bit of concern with him. But there's a lot of Jazz Chisholm-type feel here where I think we've got a really good power-speed combo. And it's one where if he gets the contact together, and the thing is he's so young that that's plenty of time to develop that where he could just really take off. So I'm excited about Khalil Watson, obviously, my number one FYPD guy for, for quite some time. Yeah, I might be obviously we're not doing FYPD rankings anymore for 2021, but I think you see my next update, which will probably be early May. There's a good chance he's a, he's ahead of Marcelo Mayer, and that's nothing against Marcelo Mayer. It's something he's gonna be a very good player overall, but just that ceiling is higher with Watson than it is with Mayer. You know, Mayer has I still give the floor to Marcelo Mayer, but not by a lot. Like, I don't think there's like that big of a gap in, in their floors. I think there's a bigger gap between their their ceilings and their you know higher percentage outcomes. So this is with Watson being able to provide some speed and probably even more power than than Marcelo Mayer too. So I just love that swing. It's just so quick through the zone, so much raw power there from that from that frame that you, you wouldn't think he's a huge could be a huge power guy. But this could be a 25 30 homer bat in the major league level. Obviously, he's still very far off, but definitely impressed. And James Wood has, has been really damn good as well so far. I said he's added whoops uh hold on here let me get over to james wood two home runs already and has a steal as well in first 11 plate appearances obviously very small sample size as we've been saying but this have three walks to three strikeouts as well it's a guy that has shown the ability to draw the walks at a high clip already his absolutely massive raw power and can move well for a guy his size he's like six seven two fifty he can move well I think this he could be a guy that I don't think he's gonna be obviously 15 20 steel guy, but maybe he's a five to ten steel guy, at least early on in his career with 30 plus home runs. And we'll see where the average is. The hit tool has looked a little better than advertised so far as a pro, but still very young, so there's a lot to work on there. But even if he's a lower average guy, like two fifty or so, I think this could be a, a really high OBP guy. So maybe a little more value in OBP formats than average formats, but definitely a guy that could really really skyrocket uh, here over in this season for sure. All right, Chris, let's go over to our deep league prospect of the week. This is a guy that we don't have like a set threshold for what we thought about here. So maybe it's like outside of our top 300 or whatever, but it's a guy that, you know, once you get past 300 or so prospects rostered in your dynasty, they got us probably out there in the waiver wire that you should probably look to add right now. Uh, Chris, who is that guy for you? It's funny, you know, it's easy for me to go here, I guess, since I've seen him twice this weekend, and that's uh, to Dane Raffel, a prospect, 21-year-old prospect in the Red Sox system. He's obviously in high A Greenville. He's a smaller guy. He's at 5'8", listed at 5'8", 152. I do think he's a little bigger than that. He plays center field. He can play some third base. He can really play all over the diamond. He's very interesting. He's got good power-speed combo. He's already hit two home runs this year in 10 plate appearances, swiped two bags as well. Last year, flew under the radar in low A, hit 10 home runs and stole 23 bags there. The hit tool, I think, has come along. He did hit 251 last year, but we're seeing improvements this year in a small sample. He looks to control the zone very well, and, man, he's, he's really quick out of the box. I'm thinking he's going to really pop on some radars this year. And this is the chance to go get him pretty early because, you know, I don't think he's rostered in 
more than like one percent of fan tracks leagues. I'm gonna look. I'm curious. And yeah, I went to so we play in a 30 team dynasty league D D1S 30 Rock. And I went to look to Adam today, and of course Ian Cundell already has him. He's a so- <laughs> Red Sox guy. So I text Ian. Well, I was chatting with Ian throughout the game anyway, but I was like. Of course, uh, I went to look to Adam, and you already had him. He said, "Yeah, I knew I knew I'd have to do that because you'd be getting looks at him." But yeah, he's <laughs> Rafaela's highly underrated. If you want to go out and look at him, let me spell his name. It's it's interesting. It's C E D D A N N E. He's like Sedane, and then Rafaela R A F A E L A. It's mentioned twenty one year old prospect plays all over the board. <laughs> Not to mention he's got a cannon of an arm. So today, on a play, Trey Sweeney was on first base. And Everson Pereira hit a liner into the gap. Sweeney tried to take third, and Rafaela was in center and threw him out by five steps. I'm not even kidding. Like, it was one of the more impressive throws. I've got all the video. I've got to pull back. I don't think I probably have a good shot of him throwing it, but it was ridiculous. So, Sedane Rafaela is the player, the deep league prospect to target this week, where I think you go out and get him early, I mentioned I'm going to look up his roster rate. Then, yeah, he's he's rostered in zero percent of Fantrax leagues, so actually 0.4 because I see the plus 0.4 by it. So he's hardly rostered anywhere in a, in a league where you roster 400 prospects. I'd go get him. That's just my opinion. Yeah, great target for sure. Definitely one of the more exciting young players in this Red Sox system. And I'll give another Red Sox prospect here that I've also seen this today on Sunday, David Hamilton, who. He's a little bit older. He is see, 23, no, 24 years old. Good mustache, though. Go look at his mustache. It's great. Uh, Red Sox got him in the Hunter Renfro deal last year, uh, along with, obviously, JBJ and Alex Benellis. And Hamilton, I think, for fantasy purposes, might be, you know, I don't know where he fits in long-term into the Red Sox plan. And he's played you know, some second and some short I, I think he could probably play the outfield too. He's, he's got really good speed. Like he's an elite speedster. So I really don't know where the, where he fits in with all the, especially all the middle infielders we have in the system that are more highly rated than him. But last year in Milwaukee system between high A and double A, come on to hit 258, 341, 419, 19 doubles, 11 triples, eight home runs, 52 steals. So when he caught nine times for so 52 steals and 101 games. And that, it's not just, you know, maybe it was a little bit because of he was in high A for about two-thirds of that, but he had 41 steals in high A in 68 games. Obviously, he's not a 50 steal guy, but this is a easy plus runner, maybe double plus. I put up a video today of him stealing second base. He had two steals today. Uh, he, he had a really good opening series against New Hampshire. Look at his opening night. He went four for five, scored three runs, had a triple, two home runs, which, you know, powers the part of his offensive game that lags behind had a steal. He's had a steal in all three games, two today. So four total in three games with two home runs, three walks, uh, only two strikeouts. He walked, uh, I think it was twice today. Now only that the one K, but he gets on base. He had a walk rate above 10% last year. I think maybe he's only 50 hit long-term, maybe 260 ish, 265 hitter, but a little bit higher OBP ton of speed. I think he could be a double digit home run guy, 10, 12 home runs over a full year again just don't know where he plays but you know don't worry about that right now he's like i said he he's in double a he's not gonna be up this year i don't think probably next year we'll see how it works out maybe he gets dealt again who knows but just a guy to go add right now the arrow is pointing up with him got a ton of speed which is obviously valuable fantasy sneaky pop as well probably only 40 
grade power, but he could be a double-digit home run guy. So he already, he already has two home runs first three games uh, for Portland. So definitely like Hamilton as a deep league guy. Now let's finish out the show uh, with some of our live looks from this weekend, Chris. You know, I'll, I'll go first because I you saw a ton more names that are intriguing than I did, but the one real that I saw two names of note. Actually, I saw Hamilton, but I just talked about him. He didn't really do much today outside of steal that couple bags. But I saw Brendan Walter today, lefty. He was the Red Sox 2021 minor league pitcher of the year. But it was one of those where he was a bit older. And like I definitely underranked him last time. And I updated that already. He's in my top 300 right now or around 300. He'll be in that range. But it was yeah, okay. He's a little bit older for the level. Like last year, he was, oh, let's see, 24 years old last year, pitching in low A and high A. When he made 25 total appearances, 14 starts, 89 and a third innings. It's like, all right, you know, the promise is great. 292 ERA, whip was a little bit under one, low walk rate, struck out a bunch of guys. But all right, let's see what he does against older competition in double A. This first start was really, really good. He went five innings, gave up one hit, no walks, no runs, seven strikeouts. was absolutely cruising. I was hoping they'd bring him back out for the sixth, but obviously they did not. Fastball was sitting 90 to 92, topped it at 93 a few times. A really good run and sink on that. He has a lower three-fourths arm slot, so he's getting good uh, horizontal movement on that uh, two-seamer. Good sink as well. Was not afraid to run it in. He ran it in both sides of the plate on the hands. Love when a pitcher's not afraid to pitch inside like that. Threw it to all four quadrants. He commanded a little better middle and down than he did up, but overall command was very good of the pitch. And he also has a slider and a changeup slider with 79 to 81. This is main out pitch versus lefties. It's like a Frisbee slider. It actually has, obviously, not a direct comparison, but it has like a Chris Sale type of feel to it, where it's more of a Frisbee slider, not as hard as a lot of sliders are these days. Like I said, it was around 80, uh, give or take a mile an hour either way. I got three strikeouts of his seven run that, and that was considered his best pitch coming into the year. But the changeup, which a lot of places have as his third pitch, and it might be, but it was super impressive today. Uh, around 81 to 84, good good depth on the pitch, some fade as well. Got four strikeouts on that pitch. That's his main out pitch against righties. He struck out Aravos Martinez on that twice, I believe. Uh, so yeah, really was impressed. Like I think he's... I think he could have three above-average pitches, above-average command, plus control. Doesn't walk a ton of guys. Like I said, didn't walk anybody today. It's definitely a guy to go out and get right now. He's, the arrow is definitely on the rise. Right? I mean, he's a little bit older, so you can go out and get him for cheap or free right now. And really quick on Aurelis Martinez, it was just one game, but, man, the one takeaway I had was he likes to swing the bats, and that was not good today because he struck out three times in four bats wasn't it, it wasn't bad it wasn't even like it was, they were good at bats like there was i think there was two of them or three pitches another one was four pitch at bat is he looked really really rough and he's a guy where i like Arelvis, but i think i've been a little bit lower on him than most like there's good power there i think he's a 25 homer bat but contact rates are okay not great i think they were like low to mid 70s last year you know 260 25 homer type doesn't really run that much don't know where he fits in with toronto so a guy that i've been probably a little lower on than most but uh, I want to see if the, this free swing and ways kind of continued this year. He's a guy that I, I could see. I think there's a better chance I move him down the rankings this year than up. So take that for what it's worth, but did not look good. But Brendan Walter certainly did go out and get him. But now, Chris, let's uh, go ahead and talk about all the guys you saw over the weekend. 
Yeah, probably the the more impressive guys were both Everson Pereira and Alex Benellis. There's a lot of good names that I've got to see. Um, really not a ton of good pitching. Shane Drohan pitched yesterday for Greenville, the Red Sox guy. I don't think he stands a chance to be a starter in the majors. He just doesn't have the velo or really the stuff. I mean, he walked four in – 3.1 innings and his fastball never got above 90. I think he topped at 90. So, you know, mostly like 87, 88. So not much there. Beckway pitched for um, New York, which I guess he's probably the most interesting pitcher I saw. He pitched last night. He struck out seven and four and a third. He's got good stuff, much better fastball than Drohan. Good slider as well. So he's one that I think is pretty intriguing and could be on the rise. Obviously from the hitter standpoint for Hudson Valley, the big names are Trey Sweeney, Everson Pereira, Austin Wells, Cooper Bowman. Honestly, Cooper Bowman is kind of like a Trey Sweeney light where he's just a really good ball player and doesn't really get much love. He had a big home run today off of Wyatt Olds, who was the um, starter for Greenville. Trey Sweeney had two hits today as well. Pereira, three hits today. He had one yesterday, but he stole a couple bags. Pereira stole a couple bags yesterday. He stole, so he got walked. He stole second. Next pitch, he stole third. Cooper Bowman swiped two bags yesterday as well. So they were running a lot. And today, I mentioned Pereira had three hits, two RBIs. He did leave six on base, which is funny, but he still performed really, really well. So Everson Pereira has won the power speed. He won't be in Hudson Valley long. I think he'll be up in double A before you know it because he's really advanced at the plate and more than ready. Austin Wells is obviously another one who's just really good and advanced at the plate. I don't think he'll stick around in high long either being a college bat. I mean, he had a, a hit in RBI yesterday. He had another hit and drove in two today and collected two walks. He has good plate discipline. I thought controls his own very well, but Cooper Bowman, probably the most underrated. I think he he's one that I'd go out and get in a dynasty league where he's still pretty underrated, but um, looking at the sock side, Nick York did not play today. The game rest on, for Sunday, prepare him to get him two days off before the, the full week next week. But uh, he did play last night. Obviously really good. He's just, he's easily the best player in the system. He's even shortened his swing even more. Go back and look at the video from last year and this year. He's shortened his swing, very compact, just right to the ball. I don't think he's going to sacrifice any power in doing that, but York is always the best uh, player in the sock system, in my opinion, over Marcelo Meyer, easily the best prospect there. Even though there's some good players I saw, I think Tyler McDonough, I can't even say his name, probably McDonough, he's he's really underrated where while he didn't collect a hit this weekend, I think he's still really good and one that could pop off. I mentioned Sedane Rafella. I failed to mention, I said he had two stolen bases on the year. He added a, his third today. So, you know, three steals, three games, two home runs. Pretty impressive there. But Ellis is, is really who stood out the most to me where – um, last night he played third base. Today he DH'd, but last night he looked really good, had a big hit, and tonight he or today he hit an opposite field home run over the Green Monster, which is exact replica of Fenway, same distance, same height, and everything. So he's got big power. The plate discipline looks better. He looks like he's cut down on the swing and miss too, which is really the biggest concern with him. And if that trend continues, then Alex Benellis is going to be a huge steal in FYPDs because you think about it, like. It, before the college season last year, like Benellis was going to be a top 10 draft pick, like out of Louisville, like everybody loved him, big time prospect. And then he had a rough season to start. He did pick it up at the end of last college season. And now we're really seeing him 
come back to where he was. He had two hits today. I mentioned the home run. So I think Alex Benellis is really on the rise and one to really look out for. So those are really the names that stood out to me this weekend. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Red Sox live looks here on this episode. And we'll we'll do this consistently throughout the year as well as we get more live looks. You know, a lot of what are good names we're gonna see this year. I started seeing a ton. And I, I hope to see, like I said, Espino at some point, Volpe and, and a bunch of others as well and in double A. So we will continue to uh, report on our live looks here. That is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you to all listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at Eric Cross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. Yeah.